So as we uh, heard through Sylvia that uh, we're continuing our series on the working of the Holy Spirit in our lives and in our church. Last week we touched upon how at the ascension of Jesus the disciples were given a promise. They were to wait in Jerusalem for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon them, which Jesus was referring to Pentecost, which we celebrate next Sunday. But you know what? Pentecost is not the first work of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit is already present in the Old Testament. In fact, the Holy Spirit is involved in the creation of the world as we read in Genesis 1 verse 2 that the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And as we continue to learn more about the Holy Spirit, today we read from another Old Testament passage, perhaps somewhat less familiar than the story in Genesis, but it's from Zechariah 4 verses 1 through 14. Zechariah is a young man and he is a prophet of the Lord. And he was called by God to proclaim the good news to the Jewish people who were struggling with the destruction of their holy city, Jerusalem, and the destruction of their holy temple. God gave Zechariah visions to call his people back to God and to assure them that God continues to care for his people, that God continues to provide for his people, that he continues to love his people. And so one of those visions occurs in Zechariah 4 which we'll be reading this morning. So before we read from that passage, let's go to God in prayer. Father God, we thank you for your word and for prophets who spoke centuries ago to your people Israel. And these words still speak to your people today and to the church today. Open our hearts and our minds to what you're speaking to us and through your Holy Spirit at work in us, may we learn and live out what we hear this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So we read from Zechariah 4, verses 1 through 14. Then the angel who talked with me returned and woke me up like someone awakened from sleep. And he asked me, what do you see? I answered, I see a solid gold lampstand with a bowl at the top and seven lamps on it with seven channels to the lamps. Also there are two olive trees by it, one on the right of the bowl and the others on the left. And I asked the angel who talked with me, what are these, my Lord? He answered, do you not know what these are? No, my Lord, I replied. So he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit says the Lord Almighty. What are you, mighty mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you will become level ground, and then he will bring out the capstone to shouts of, God bless it, God bless it. And then the word of the Lord came to me. The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this temple, and his hands will also complete it. And then you will know that the Lord Almighty has sent me to you. Who dares despise the day of small things since the seven eyes of the Lord that range throughout the earth will rejoice when they see the chosen capstone in the hand of Zerubbabel. And then I asked the angel, what are these two olive trees on the right and the left of the lampstand? And again I asked them, what are these two olive branches beside the two gold pipes that pour out golden oil? And he replied, do you not know what these are? No, my Lord, I said. 
So he said, these are the two who are anointed to serve the Lord of all the earth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So the story this morning is a story which may sound like it comes out of the New Testament book of Revelation. The story sounds rather cryptic and maybe somewhat obscure. But I think once we understand the context a little more, I trust that it will become clear. And if it doesn't, well, Zechariah humbly asked several times in this passage, what are these, my Lord? And I think we can ask that humbly to the Lord as well. Well, let's begin at verse 1, where the angel needs to wake up Zechariah. Israel needs to wake up. And this reminds us of the passage of Revelation 3, verse 2, where the angel of the church of Sardis said to the people, wake up. We are all being called to wake up. The church is being called to wake up. You see, the church is not this passive organism in this world, but the church is active, alive, and needs to be awake. The context of this passage is about a remnant of Israel having been able to return home from Babylonian captivity under the rule of Cyrus. So here they are. They could return to their country, return to their city. They can return to their temple. I mean, these are exciting times for the people to be able to return. However, upon their return, everything was destroyed. And things were just in utter chaos. And it would have been rather overwhelming for the people. At this point in history, Israel had no longer a king, but there were people who were overseers of the remnant. One of the overseers was Joshua, son of Jehozadak, not Joshua, who was Moses' assistant centuries earlier, but the second person was Zerubbabel, and we hear about him in this passage. And Zerubbabel was the governor at that time. Zerubbabel wasn't a religious leader, rather he was a civic leader, and his task was to oversee the rebuilding of the temple and the completion of the temple. But what's happening at this time is that he and the Jewish people are coming against opposition. And this opposition is referred to as a mighty mountain in this passage. And things are going slow. There are enemies in their way. And enemies are external and and perhaps even likely internal. I mean, how often don't we even see that in the church? And here we are, the people are getting tired, they're getting weary. They had this daunting task of rebuilding the temple, and things are not going as planned. So Zerubbabel and the people are getting discouraged. Maybe you can understand their pain and their challenge. Perhaps you've had circumstances where things are just not going the way that they're supposed to. It's not the way it's supposed to be. Maybe it's with your job or in your families, with your schooling, in the church. Maybe some of you are saying, you know, things are just not going well overall in my life. And there seems to be opposition no matter which way you turn, no matter where you look. You're working harder than ever. And you're trying to get things to go right. And yet it seems that you take one step forward only to realize that you just took two steps back. It's no wonder that despair and discouragement can easily set in, even in the life of a believer. 
And yes, God was, he, he was part of the Jewish life. He's part of the Jewish life always. But they couldn't go to the temple to worship him because this temple lay in ruins. And the devil will do the darnest things to prevent this work from being done. When discouragement sets in, people need to be reminded that God is in control, that God continues to provide, that God's presence is still in the lives of his people. Now, having said all this, it doesn't mean that everything will be easy. In fact, I think there are times that when God's people are seriously doing God's kingdom work, the opposition might even be tougher because the devil hates to see believers and the church succeed in kingdom work. So let's turn to this vision of the lampstand here. Before the destruction of the temple, in the original tabernacle, it was near the altar, was a golden, lamp, or a golden candlestick with seven branches. You can read that in Exodus 25. At the end of the, each of these seven branches was then a golden lamp. And each morning and each evening, the high priest had the task of trimming the wick and ensuring there was enough oil in the lamp to keep it constantly running, to keep it burning. So the high priests were busy making sure that their efforts resulted in light for the other priests to see when it was dark. But Zechariah's vision of the candlestick is a little different here. And perhaps it's going to show up on the screen there. Let's just take a look at the example of what this might have appeared like. The candlestick had a bowl on the top and it had two olive trees on either side. One on each side. And these olive branches symbolize the two who are anointed in verse 14. Joshua and Zerubbabel. And then you can see the olive branches from the trees. And these branches have oil being poured into the bowl. And the oil from the bowl is flowing into the lines. And then the lines are going to each of the lamps. Now from the picture, if you see it before you you'll see that it appears that there's one line going to each of the lamp, but there are actually seven lines going to each of the lamp. And Zechariah is asking, hey, what's all this about? Because with this apparatus, no priests are needed to worry about supplying the oil. And the light's going to continue to shine because the oil is being provided for. The trees were provided, providing continual oil for the lamps. Oil to Joshua, to Zerubbabel, to all of Israel. And then we get to verse 6. We read, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. Now, when Solomon built the original temple, his father David had conquered all the nations around them. He used his might. And when he conquered the nations, he also then took all their possessions. And so Solomon had all the resources and all the people available to him to help build that first temple. Everything was there. And yeah, it's a lot of labor that had to go into this, but even the labor resource was available. There was power. There was might. But now, 
in this story, the remnant has returned from captivity. And they have the job of cleaning up the mess and rebuilding. And they don't have the resources. They don't have the products. They don't have the people. This is a huge accomplishment. And they have no might. They have no power. And so the word of the Lord says, it's not by might. Yeah, during Solomon's reign, the resources came from David's might. The resources were available by the mighty army. And at the present, the Israelites have no army being such a small remnant. There is no might. And the word of the Lord says it's not by power. The current remnant had no power left. Zerubbabel's strength was decreasing. And he and all the people were worn out, tired. They were discouraged. So here we have it. The temple, the land needs cleaning. The temple needs to be rebuilt. And the temple will not and cannot be built by human might or power. So what's left? The word of the Lord says, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. When temptation, opposition, discouragement, despair is real and part of your circumstances and your current reality, then verse 6 becomes even more important. As individuals and, and as a church body, yeah, we sometimes feel discouraged. And then what we will do, what will we do as a church? You got it. What we'll do as a church, we'll create another committee. And then what we'll do, we get the committee together, and then we'll probably start another program. And you know what? We'll think that this should work. And you know what? It just might work. But it will not work if we're only using our own power and our own might. And if we're tired and discouraged, it's going to fail. The lampstand here was symbolic of the Messiah. The candlestick was symbolic of Israel or the church, who was to be the light of the nations. And the lines are coming from the bowl and being supplied with an ever-ending supply of oil. This represents the constant and never-ending power of the Holy Spirit. And nowhere in this illustration do you find our power and our strength and our might. You know, I think there's far too often we look at what we do not have. Yeah, the church is emptier. We're missing people. We're missing a lot of people right now. Our programs are decreasing. Our finances are less. You see, we look at what we're missing. Israel and Zerubbabel, they looked at what they didn't have. They felt that they, they couldn't build a temple at all. Again, they were missing the resources. They were missing the people. We don't have it. We can't do it. You see, when we look at what we do not have, we then try to make adjustments based on actually what we're lacking. And so those adjustments will often be that it's so easy to say that this something just can't be done. We don't have the resources. We don't have the money. We don't have the people. And so we allow ourselves to get in the way of the work and the mission of the Lord. 
We allow the mission and the work of the Lord to be kind of put aside because we feel that we cannot do it. And you know, we as churches, we are so good at this. Churches will look at their budget and say, you know what, we have this many dollars set aside for this certain thing, and we can't go beyond that. And what happens is we limit ourselves far too often. We'll say, first, we need the resources. First, we need the money. And then we'll look at mission. No. People of God, the mission of God comes first. Always. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. The work of the Lord cannot and will not be accomplished by simply our own strength and by our own power. The work of the Lord will be accomplished by the power of the Holy Spirit. And the power of the Holy Spirit never fails. Now, this work doesn't begin and end with the Holy Spirit. We don't just simply stop with the Holy Spirit because we too, as a church, as God's people, we too have a role. After all, we are together the church. Remember that picture that was showed of the vision. We're the candlesticks. And the candlesticks have the lines coming from the bowls with the olive oil. The candlesticks are to receive the oil. The candlesticks then are to be the light. People, we are to, be, we are to receive the power and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Our lines have to be open. We have to be vulnerable and willing to allow the Holy Spirit to flow and to be at work in us and in our church. It was in my sharing a couple weeks ago that I had stated it's already difficult enough to listen to the Holy Spirit. And then we finally may begin to listen to the Holy Spirit, and then I think it's even more difficult to live out what we had just listened to. Perhaps it's fear. Perhaps it's our own theology of what we think the gospel is, often mixed up with the law. Perhaps even mixed up with our own colonialist perspective. Maybe it's just our own agendas, thinking that, you know what, we, we have the correct direction, and, and there's a certain order to things, and this is the way that we've always done it. Whatever it is, there is often something in the way of the work of the Holy Spirit. And that something is usually us. Me. You. We are often in the way of the body from becoming the church that God has called us to be. And God calls us to remove that block and to continue to seek him and to seek his desire for Exeter Christian Firm Church in this community. People God receive the Holy Spirit of Jesus. People like the remnant of Israel, we too continue to be in a building project. We continue to be part of growing God's church and his kingdom, and especially with COVID. Yeah, COVID has changed us in ways that we couldn't have expected. In some cases, it's also brought disunity to the church. And we will have to be open to the spirit working in us and to rebuilding things as we get closer to regathering again. 
And finally, the language in this chapter, it's not just talking about the present temple. Because Zechariah is also referring to the coming of the kingdom. There'll be opposition in the church and in our lives, and yet on our own strength, we do not overcome the opposition, and we cannot overcome the opposition. But with the power and the strength and the gift of the Holy Spirit, God empowers his people for works of service. The Holy Spirit never runs out of power. And when it comes to our salvation, there is nothing that we can do to earn it. Salvation is a gift from God through his son, Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit gives us the faith to believe. You see, we can't even take credit for our own faith. But again, what we need to do is to be open and willing to receive the Holy Spirit. Do not resist the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. Do not resist the work of the Holy Spirit in, our, in your church. On our own, we are weak but with the power of the Holy Spirit. Look out, world. The church is awake, and it is on a mission. Not by might, nor by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord Almighty. And together we say, amen. Let's pray. Holy Father, Son, and Spirit, we thank you for your word. And the word that has been spoken of thousands of years ago to your people, and that same word continues to apply to us today. So Lord, use our gifts and use each of us for the purposes of your church here on earth. And we come to the point that we cannot do something or maybe we don't want to do something, direct us with your spirit and give us the power that can only come from you. It's not our strength, not our might, but it is by your power that we can live and serve according to your holy will. Thank you for the spirit of truth, the spirit of Jesus in us and in your church. And to you, our great and awesome God, be the glory now and forever. Amen.